It, it, is, it is my distinct privilege to introduce to you the finest staff in the United States of America. Look at that. So I've always wanted to have them all on stage at one time, and we've got all of them except one who's on maternity leave, all right? Um, Walt Disney would always do something that everybody considered to be backwards. Walt Disney, I mean, everybody else started with the script and then added the music. Walt Disney did just the opposite. Walt Disney actually started with a beautiful piece of music, and then he wrote the script to it. And so um, everybody thought he was either crazy or he was a genius. Well, this morning, we're going to start actually with the song, so to speak. Now, they're not going to sing. Some of them can sing, but most of them can't. But anyway, we're not, we're not starting with a song. But we're gonna, I'm going to be like Walt Disney, and I'm, I'm not a genius, and maybe they think I'm crazy. I, I, I don't know. But anyway... Um, so, so here's what I want to do. I want to introduce to you um, this wonderful staff and tell you what they work, what they do, and, and how they work. But this is this is the Walt Disney approach. This is backwards. In just a minute, I'll t- t- tell you the scriptures. But first of all, here's the illustration. I want to give you the illustration first, and then we'll come up with the scriptures. Okay. Now, um, there's 32 of us. How many of you are full-time? Would you raise your hand if you're full-time? I think 16 are full-time. How many of you are part-time then? The other 16 of you would would be part-time. This is the children's pod. So we've got uh, Elisa, we've got Jenny, we've got Trisha, Alyssa, and Kelly, and Austin. Now, this crew right here takes care of 18 million children at Harborside Christian Church right here. And they love your children. They love the church. They love your children. And they are helping your kids understand that uh, there's a plan, there's a purpose, and they're getting your children off to a great start. Whenever I went to church years and years ago as a kid, the few times that I went, I hated church. Church was boring. Church was me. This, this place is rocking. They, they've got it happening, and they're doing a super job. Then they do the handoff. And the handoff goes to middle school and to high school. So we've got um, Stephen and Andrew with middle school. They get to go straight to heaven because they do all your middle schoolers, okay? <laughs> and then we've got Kelly and Griffin, and they work with high school. So again, the synergism and the plan is there's a handoff from the children's ministry to the what? To the student ministry, all right? Then we've got the infamous uh, Tom's up there teaching. So we, we put Tom on stage here. This crew from Tom to Lisa to Jody to Sarah, um, he looks better on that than he does in real life, doesn't he, actually? He really, he's kind of ugly, isn't he? So that's, that's good. Um, so this is the Connect Ministry, and the Connect Ministry is responsible for all the Connect groups. I think we have 95 Connect groups, and over 1,300 people are in Connect groups right now, which is awesome. Um, Sarah... Sarah's responsible for the assimilation, so if you're new to our church, you get emails from Sarah, you get letters from Sarah. Sarah takes care of the assimilation. Lisa Miller, um, guest services. Lisa does a lot of things, but she runs the cafe. Does the cafe awesome or what? Thanks to Lisa Miller. All right? So that's, that's the, this crew right here. Then we've got Tim Du Bois, and Tim's kind of alone, and he partners with Joy. So... 
Tim is, is 50% senior adults and 50% young adults. So Joy Elsesser is also 50% worship and 50% young adults. So 50% of Tim with young adults and 50% of Joy with young adults, they're leading the young adult pack. So you see the, the plan with this? That's how this team works together. All right, the next crew, yeah, they're great. They do a great job. The, the next crew, starting with Tyler, we've got Tyler, Dan, Ethan, Hans, Pablo, and Devin. This crew right here makes up the production and the worship pod. And so the production and worship pod, they're not just in here. Most people think that production is just in this room. They're doing production with children. They're doing production environments with students. They're doing with all all different environments. So this team, some of them are full-time, some of them are part-time. This team pulls off worship and production in multiple environments. And so you never really get to see Dan. Dan's always back in the sound booth. But Dan loves this. So everybody wave to Dan. Say, hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, would you like to give a speech or anything, Dan? Are you sure? Are you, are you sure? You're good with that. All right. So all the way down to Devon is, is this the, the production pod. Then we've got the facility admin pod. And so this is Dean. Dean's in charge of this pod. Eric, Tammy, Joy, uh, Taylor, and Mike. And so all the way down to Mike here, this would be facilities and admin. So facility, 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 admin, admin. Okay? And this team does a lot of things for this building, a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of record keeping, a lot of things. They do a super job. Would you thank them for their great hard work? Okay? And then this is our outreach um, pod. And so I'm actually with this pod. This is missions, global, local. This is evangelism. And so, again, there's a lot of things that take place. This is Karen. Karen is actually my assistant as well. This is Denise. This is the infamous Jonathan Adrian. And so Jonathan uh, is the senior associate, so he manages a lot of these people. Dean McSpadden's another uh, leader managing most of these people as well, uh, the other half of these people. So anyway, this pod is responsible for outreach, for evangelism, for missions, and they just do an absolute super job. And so what I want to do today... <laughs> ...is in just a few minutes... Jesus talks about the power of teamwork. And Jesus talks about a kingdom that's divided against itself. And so I've given you the illustration first. And just a couple minutes, we'll look at what the scriptures have to say and how it fits. But would you again thank this wonderful team of people? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Tom is up and doing the next class right now, and if you're new, we do it every month, and it's next for, it's what's, what's next, okay? So today, we join a group of people who don't know what to do with Jesus, and everybody has to figure out what you're going to do with Jesus. You're either going to embrace Jesus, you're going to walk away from Jesus, you're going to try to ignore Jesus, but everybody in the room always has to figure out, what am I going to do with Jesus? And so there's a group of people today that just can't figure out what they should do. Because Jesus keeps doing things that are just a little bit beyond what they think the Messiah would do. For instance, there's a man with a shriveled hand. And Jesus says on the Sabbath, stretch out your hand, and the man's hand now is healed. And they don't know what to do with that. There's another man who is demon-possessed. 
and he can't see, and he can't talk, and Jesus heals a mute, uh, blind, demon-possessed man, and the crowds then, some of the crowds go, maybe this is the Messiah. The other part of the crowd goes, maybe he's doing this by the power of Satan. And this ticks Jesus off. This lights him up. And this is when Jesus then actually begins to introduce the, uh, the whole concept of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And so if you've ever heard about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, or you ever worried about, maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin, Jesus introduces that today. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and then we're going to come back with our concept of teamwork. So join me in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Here's where we start, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. They brought him, a demon-possessed man, who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so he could both talk and he could see. All the people were astonished, and they said, could this be the son of David? In other words, Jesus just heals a mute, a blind, and a demon-possessed man, and some of the crowd is asking themselves, could this be the son of David? Now, what does this mean? This means the Messiah. We want a Messiah. We're waiting for the long-awaited Messiah. Could this be the one? But look at the next reaction, the next verse. But when the Pharisees heard this, They said, well, it's only by Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub was the prince of demons. So Beelzebub is a real slam. They're saying, the Pharisees are, that Jesus is doing this great work, not by the power of God, but by the power of evil. And so the other half of the crew said, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. This fired up. Jesus of Nazareth. As we used to say in Indiana, this honked him off. Have you ever heard that expression before? Okay, that's an Indiana term. Sorry. It honked him off. And so he then began to say, you don't understand. You have no clue what you're talking about. So Jesus then begins to argue with them and talks about their accusations. And if you're a note taker, you can take some notes or some fill-ins in your bulletin. Here's the very first one. First of all, your accusation is illogical. This is Jesus. Listen to the rain. Isn't that peaceful? You're not going anywhere. (laughs) Sit back, relax. We'll get Lisa to bring out some more donuts and coffee, and we'll just have a great time. I got about a three-hour sermon anyway. Just sit back and relax. He says, your accusation is illogical. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city, now he goes a little smaller. He starts off with a big kingdom, now he goes a little smaller. And every city, now he goes real small, or household divided against itself will not stand. Now let's just look at this verse for a couple of minutes. Because you already know that. Everybody in the room already knows this. You've been in an office where there are 10 people. And two of them think it's all about them. And two of them blame everybody else. And two of them, or three of them, take the credit for everything that takes place. And every idea that you've ever floated, somebody else says, that was my idea. Everybody in the room knows that work environments that do not work together do not work. You you already know that. But hopefully some of you have had the opportunity to realize and to work in these environments where people do work together. 
Now, now can you imagine this team on stage if it's all about the children's ministry and the children's ministry does not care at all about the connect ministry or the connect ministry doesn't care about the student ministry or the student ministry doesn't care about how we deal and how we work with missions. Now, can you imagine the mess if the facility people just said, you know what, we're just not going to show up today. We don't care if it's hot. We don't care if the chairs are there. We don't care if the doors are broken. You, you, you know what that's like in a work context. Now, bring that into a relational context. Bring that into a marriage. I hope that you're in a marriage and you've worked through a marriage where you realize that when husband and wives are not working together, this is why I'm stoked about us building a wedding chapel. It's not even the wedding chapel. The wedding chapel is a means to an end. What I'm stoked about is our opportunity to be able to help couples understand their roles. I was 23. She was 20. I had no clue what marriage was about. I wish somebody would have come alongside of me and helped me get at least at mile marker three. I was at mile marker negative 10, I think, when I got married. And so, so you know this. You know that a marriage that doesn't work together, doesn't lean in, doesn't deny each other, you know, deny your, some of your own rights, and you know it won't work. Some of you, if you're 15 years old or you're you know, 17 years old, you have, you're in a home, and even in a home environment, you know it's not working. Because everybody, even if you're a 15-year-old, you know you're working against mom and dad. You're doing everything you can to kind of mess up the whole family system. Everybody in the room knows that a kingdom, a marriage, a neighborhood, an office, we all in this room get this. And I hope you've had the privilege of being able to work in some of those environments where everybody is trying to do what's good, the best, the good for the whole. For the whole. And when that happens, when that happens, you've got a movement. You've got an office, a team, a family, a church that's going places and making an incredible difference. And so Jesus is going, oh, wait a minute. I just healed a man with a shriveled hand. I just helped this guy that couldn't walk and, I mean, couldn't talk and couldn't see. And, he was, and you think I did that by Satan? Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And Jesus says, your accusation is illogical. Look at the next one. Your accusation is also inconsistent. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you people drive them out? In other words, the Pharisees were driving out demons also. And so he's asking the question, how'd you drive out the demons? If you were able to drive out demons, did you do it by the power of Satan? He's kind of, kind of hooking them there and tying them all up, tying their shoelaces together. He says, but if it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's huge. That was a statement. And the kingdom of God had come upon them, and the kingdom of God has come upon us. Well, the last one is, is your accusation is impossible. Look at the next one. It's just impossible. Or again, how can anyone, Jesus said, enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. And again, not that any, any of you are thieves in the room, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands if you have any experience with this, okay? But if you're a thief in the room and you're going to go knock off somebody else's house and that person's bigger than you and stronger than you, you're in trouble, right? 
That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying nobody goes and robs the house unless they know they're stronger than their opponent. And Jesus is saying, I I got this one. I got this one all taken care of. And so Jesus begins to discuss and argue with them. And the only logical conclusion is, is I am casting out demons by the power of God. And this is where then he introduces the whole concept of the unpardonable sin. So I want to talk about teamwork today, but we're in this bus for just a second, and we're going to get off the highway. We're going to get off the highway, we're going to go to a rest stop, and we're going to talk about this for just about five or six minutes, because I want to talk about the unpardonable sin. We're going to come back to teamwork, that's the point for today, but I want to talk about this, because I'm asked a lot of questions about this. Many of you in this room are concerned because you've lived a sinful life. And you've made a lot of mistakes, and you've said and done a lot of things that you wish you hadn't said or done. And so you've asked me, do you think I've committed the unpardonable sin? Do you think I've committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Here's the great news. If you're concerned on whether or not you've committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't committed it. Because people who are committing this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, they don't They don't care. I don't care. So what is blasphemy? Well, let's talk about this. Blasphemy just means to speak against. That's really all blasphemy means. Let's look at verse 31 and 32. Here's what he says. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. That's good news right there, isn't it? Every kind of sin, every kind of slander, adultery, any type of sexual immorality, Cheating, lying, stealing, every kind of sin, every kind of slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit, it won't be forgiven. This is why this is a big deal. Look at the next verse. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, neither in the, either in this age or in the age to come. So, so this is a big deal, right? So you can blaspheme me, Jesus says, but you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So here's what's taking place in this story. The Pharisees are ascribing the works of the Spirit to the work of Satan, and that's a big deal. The Pharisees are ascribing the work of the Spirit The Spirit of God healed the shriveled hand through Jesus. The Spirit of God helped the guy to be able to talk. But they are ascribing that to Satan himself. Now, what does blasphemy mean? Let's look at this definition. It just means to speak against. But blasphemy just to speak against. You can blaspheme a coach. You can blaspheme one of your football teams that didn't work out too good yesterday. Tennessee had an off day against Arkansas, okay? I'm not going to blaspheme anybody, but it was not a good night last night, okay? Had to repent before communion this morning. Um, so, So you can blaspheme the president. You can speak against the senator. You can speak against a representative. You can, speak, you can blaspheme a teacher. The word blaspheme just literally means to speak against. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because we look at the word blaspheme and we say even Paul was a blasphemer. Paul himself was a blasphemer. Look at, the word, look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. So here's the great news. You've sinned, you've fallen short of God's glory and God's honor. There is forgiveness for you. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Remember that old hymn? And this is what Paul is saying. I was a blasphemer, but I was shown mercy. There's another little thing in Luke chapter 7. And here's a lady who'd lived a very sinful life. And so one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house. He reclined the table. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was there. And the story ends again with Jesus telling everybody she has been forgiven. She had lived a sinful life. And so we know that sin doesn't prevent you from the kingdom of God. Sin doesn't prevent you. And then in Acts chapter 2, these are the very people who killed Jesus. These are the very people who had d- denied Christ, crucified Christ. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter, the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so again, here's a whole group of people. They get to come to Christ. So why is blasphemy against the Spirit unpardonable? Are you still with me? Why is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that which won't be forgiven in this age or in the age to come? Well, here's what blasphemy really is. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is the final and complete rejection that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Spirit of God has been revealing truth about Christ in your entire lifetime. The Spirit has been revealing things to you, and you've said, nah, I'm really not interested. This is what blasphemy is. The Holy Spirit of God reveals truth, reveals truth, reveals truth, and you say, I'm really not interested. So let me give some more examples. Let's say you're 25 years old in this room, and you're, you're not a Christian. You're 25 years old, but you've been coming to church maybe for six months or for, or for a year, and, and, and guess what? The Spirit of God has probably already given you about 25 chances for you to become a Christian. If you're 25 years old, the Spirit of God you know, probably saved you maybe from, from meningitis, maybe from that person who ran the red light. Maybe you were stone drunk and you'd flipped over the car and somehow you lived through it. The Spirit of God's already revealed himself to you in probably 25 different ways. In other words, this is so important to God, God's not going to let you have just one or two small little experiences. If you're 50 years old, I bet you've had 50 different examples of where the Spirit of God has revealed truth in your life. If you're 75 or 80, you've had 75 or 80 different times where the Spirit has revealed truth. Maybe a Billy Graham rerun, maybe a grandma praying for you, maybe a grandfather inviting you to church. Somehow, somewhere, some way, you've had ample opportunity. And so the blasphemy is you've had all these chances and you've said, nah, not interested. It is the final and the complete rejection of Jesus Christ as God's Son, as the Savior of the world. And you don't want to do that. You want to receive His Son as your Lord and your Savior. All right, get back in the bus. You've had enough time at the rest area. We're going back to teamwork, okay? So we're back on the bus. Now we're coming back to what Jesus started with. Every kingdom that's divided against itself will not stand. Now, we, we know that. We, we know that, but we struggle with that because we kind of get in the way. Our self gets in the way. Our flesh gets in the way. So we know that in our marriages. 
There's no, that's not a revelatory piece of information to anybody who's married in this room. If you've been married over eight seconds, you know teamwork is critical, right? It's not, not a question of what, whether or not you know that. So, so you, you, can, you take that into a church, and you go, okay, a church this size, these people on this stage, these 32 people, they're just the catalyst. Part-time, full-time, they're employed, so they have more time to do. But, but it's you, it's me, it's all of us together. All of us together, we're called the body of Christ. We're called the church. We're a team. And when teams function together, they win. How in the world did the University of Florida beat Ole Miss last night? I don't have a clue, but I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it was a team effort. It was a team effort. And you watch a great football team lose. You go, well, that guy was a great player. She was a great, he was a great player. They're going to get drafted, but the team lost. Now, would you rather get drafted or would you rather have a great team and get drafted? And you see, what is God doing today? God today is raising up and establishing biblically functioning communities. And if we get it right and we do it right, he will continue to build this church to be a healthy church so that your children will fall in love with Jesus, so that your children will not be like me. They will run to church. They can't wait to get to church. So that when they hit the middle school environments, they have a whole context of, of leaders and people who know that they're, we're all for you. We love you. We care for you. You get into high school when you're making choices. You're making choices in high school that affect your destiny. And so we put all of us around all of them. And so this, this is what I, I wanted to do. I wanted to put the staff on stage. I wanted you to see our great staff. That's number one. But I want you to see that this staff can't do anything without you. You have to lean in. You have to decide, I'm going to play ball. I'm going to play with this staff. I'm going to play on this team. And you have to figure out how in the world can you contribute. Now, I think my job's kind of easy at this point because I don't know how you're supposed to contribute. I wouldn't dare try to tell you how you're supposed to do that because the Spirit of God is already revealing to you how you can make a difference. God's Spirit has already spoken to you about prayer. There's no question to me he's called you to pray for somebody or someone. There's no question he's called you to learn the scriptures. There's no question he's called you to financially contribute to a church, to an organization. There's no question he's called you to be a servant, to be a volunteer. The Spirit of God, I I think my job's easy on this point. I just have to get out of the way and point you to the Spirit because the Spirit's going to reveal truth unto you. You know, somebody all summer long got out there and worked in the parking lot when it was hot and they're directing traffic and they're smiling. You know, they're out there smiling, just out there sweating, smiling, okay? Somebody filled up all these communion cups this morning. I, I don't know who did it. I really don't. Jonathan and Dean do, but I don't know. Somebody, who filled up all these communion cups? Somebody did it because the Spirit of God led somebody to make a difference. Uh, there's hundreds of volunteers in the children's ministry, dozens of volunteers in the student ministry, and, and that's how this works. It works when you work. It works when you lean in. It works when you decide to make a difference on the team. What better aspect of your life could you be doing than serving Christ and serving Christ's church?
And so I just want to ask you a question. How are you dialed in? And if you're new this morning or you came for baby dedication day, just relax, okay? Just go, yeah, that's right. How are you dialed in? Because you're on the other side. Of it. Just, just make fun of them. Yeah, that's right. Preach it, you know, or whatever you want to say. But, but how are you contributing to the kingdom of God? How are you making a difference? We are stoked about what we're doing here. We're stoked. We are like, as a staff, we can't wait to get to our staff. This is true. Some of our staff will say the best part of their whole week is our staff meetings. We can't wait to get and tell stories. We come to staff meetings and we tell yay God stories. We tell stories about what God did and how God worked. We can't wait to tell those yay God stories. We're pretty excited about the wedding chapel, not because it's the building. It's going to be gorgeous and beautiful, but the part about the wedding chapel that we're so excited about is the fact that it's a means to an end, that we know that families are unraveling. You know this. You know that families are coming unglued. You know that moms and dads are struggling to stay together. You know that marriage is in trouble in this culture and in this country. And so we're going to build a $1.5 million wedding chapel And it's a means to an end. It's just a venue. It's just a tool. But that tool is going to be used to have marriage mentors and marriage counselors and a whole marriage ministry around it. And many of you are going to be asked to be be marriage mentors and, and to be a part of this. I love the fact that we're all in this together paying for it. Not one person's coming up and said, I'm going to give you $1.5 million. We're all doing this together. That's the church. That's how it should be. And we had another fundraiser this past Sunday night. And I want to tell you, we're up to $873,000 for the wedding chapel, which is just cool. How, How will you make a difference? How will you live your life? I've done over 500 funerals. 500. Nobody ever asked, how much money did she make? Nobody ever asked what company did he work for. Nobody cares. What they care about is how did you contribute to your family? How did you contribute to your church, to the organization? How did you make a difference? That's what people talk about at funerals, and I have a lot of experience with that. And so, so we, we get good at this. What does that mean? We get good at this. This is what we were to do then, and Jesus finishes this little section by saying these three other Pass the scripture. Put those up for me if you would, Deb. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. He says, make a tree good. That, that's your job. Your job is to pray. And your job is to read scripture. Your job is to praise. And your job is to worship. This is what you do. You, you make the tree good. You, you grow. Look at the next little verse, verse 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And you know that's true, isn't it? Under stress, under pressure, what's there comes out. And so you make what's in there good in God. And he says this in verse 35. He said, a good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in him. And so we put those good things in us so that we can build his church and build our families and build all the things that God has put around us. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to become a great man. I want to challenge you to become a great woman. And how do you become great? You put God inside of you. How do you become great? 
You put scripture inside of you. You put prayer inside of you. You put worship inside. How do you become great? You put the things of God inside of you. And then what do you do? You just ask God, where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? How can I help? How can I build? How can I make a difference? And so we're going to declare together our unity. And we're going to declare together a, a statement. We're going to, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to sing just one more verse out, out, of, out of a song you've already sung today. Would you stand with me? Stand with me and I'm going to pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we are your church. And we get to stand together and be your church. And may you build your amazing church through every man, through every woman, through every boy, through every girl here. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.